By the way, the sound quality of Debbie's interview is pretty atrocious because this was our first ever interview and we didn't know what we were doing. Maybe we still don't. It's an incredible story anyways. Listen in. What makes someone a hero? Someone who's prepared to give up part of their life for someone else? It'll be like different meanings. Sacrifice. Humility. Courage. You're acting the wrong person. We are heroes. My parents are my, <laughs> my heroes. Everybody is a hero, so I don't need a, a special one. A number of British reporters in Syria at the moment. I don't believe in heroes. This is Ordinary Heroes. Small stories about extraordinary choices. <laughs> Let's get started. It's November of 2015. I'm with a young woman in her early 40s. She's ahead of me. She flings open the door to the corner gas station. You want a drink? Uh, no, but I'll hang with you. Okay. So. Several miles into her weekend run with her husband... She's gasping for air, reaching into a chilled fridge along the wall of the gas station, grabs a drink. So I guess we run for different reasons. Typical Saturday, really. Drink in one hand, iPhone in the other. Because there are some, some pictures where I can tell you exactly what I was thinking during that run. I can tell you exactly what I struggled with. And I can tell you at what point in the run I had a 180 and everything made sense. What was she running from? That's what I asked myself. Why was she running at all? I mean, she could have dealt with whatever she was struggling with without having run 3,000 miles. When I get um, 13, and I'll only be 50 more until I get my 3,000. But first, let's take a step back. My name is Debbie Lowry, and it's spelled D-E-B-I. Um, Get it right? And I'm in my 13th year of teaching kindergarten. It started in a hospital room two and a half years ago as Debbie watched her mom pass away after fighting breast cancer for the second time. This is where the, the regret comes when I run. Maybe not exactly there. It was actually earlier when she wasn't at the hospital. I should have been there for her that last week because nobody was there for her. It sounds like you were except for one night. I was not there Monday night. I was not there Tuesday night. I was not there Wednesday night. Not there either, really. I mean, that's where she told us the regret comes from. But as I began to talk to her further, I began to realize it was something deeper. See, I think it started further back. Maybe in college, when one day, Debbie listened to a voicemail. You need to come home because I've had surgery. That was when her mom's battle with cancer started. That was also when Debbie's life radically changed forever. That moment, if you can imagine her listening to that voicemail, she started listening to the regrets that had been forming deep inside her for some time now. That feeling of regret didn't consume her. At least not then, but it was there. That moment when Debbie first felt that regret. She started working frantically to do whatever she could to make sure it never happened again. 
When her mom got cancer a few years ago, Debbie dropped everything, well, nearly everything, and rushed to help her. It made matters a little more complicated that Debbie had a husband. My name is Scott Lowry, and I work for Coca-Cola. Who was living in South Carolina, and a daughter. who was in the middle of a school year. It was a weekend marriage, but somehow it worked. She was driven to take care of her mom this time. No regrets. Nothing was going to stop her. Except maybe her mom. She did not want me at the hospital. She wanted me to teach. She finally convinced her mom to let her help, to be involved this time around. But it still wasn't enough to soothe this sense of pain and fear, regret really, that had buried itself deep inside her. She pushed herself to look after her mom constantly. She had finally convinced her mom to let her help in this painful, very serious battle against cancer for the second time. But that still wasn't enough to soothe this pain and fear, really regret, that was building deep inside her every day. She pushed herself harder, looking after her mom constantly. Yes, yes, and I was her hands and her feet, and I did whatever she needed me to do. And now, as her mom was back in the hospital, after deciding to make the tough decision to not continue taking her chemotherapy, she was just too sick. She was tired of fighting. Debbie started to feel like everything was falling apart all over again. I think it was her liver numbers had shot back up. And so... um, I remember looking at her and saying, it's not supposed to happen this way because we're supposed to go through, we're supposed to go through another round of chemo. And she looked at me and she said, you knew this was gonna happen. But I said to her, I'm not ready. This is where the, the regret comes when I run. Right. About that running. Debbie was never, ever, ever really a runner. She ran in college, but only for fun. And only when she wanted to, because it was the cool thing, you know, to stay in shape. But shortly before her mom passed, she had agreed to run a 5K with a friend. I mean... She had never run anything close to a 5K in a long, long time. But Debbie wasn't and isn't one to shy away from a challenge. Besides, it seemed to take her mind off this regret. A week after her mom died, she slipped on her running shoes. And she experienced a whole different kind of pain that day. 
I hated it. I, I absolutely hated, I hated it and it hurt. But as she crossed that finish line, she started a whole new race. When her mom passed, the overwhelming weight of regret threatened to consume her because... Everybody moves on yeah. with, with grief. Everybody moves on. Life goes on. But you are stuck in this sea of despair, of sadness, and just feeling all by yourself, being isolated, and you don't know what to do. And you're at a point where you don't, you don't feel like you can reach out to anybody because you feel so alone. And it was Scott that saw that the way that I coped with my mom going through cancer was to stay busy, to stay active, because any time that I would stop, the emotions would come. And so he saw that, and he was the one that said, well, let's go, let's go to the track, let's walk, let's run. And so that's what we did. And now, and now over 3,000 3, miles, miles later, Debbie still is running. still running, despite, despite the physical, the physical toll it's taking on her body. It's a different kind of pain because this pain, like I know I'm alive. I feel, I feel alive when I run. But the other pain, the emotional pain of grieving, you just, you want to stop. You want to, you just want to let everything pass you by. It's different. I want to feel alive. And as she runs, she's left thinking. You have a lot of things to live for. You, there's so many things in life that you need to just stop and be thankful for. And you can't let the, you can't let the emotions take you over. And they will if you let them. You have to be stronger. And everybody has it in them. They do. It's called the human spirit. You just have to dig deep sometimes. For more information about Debbie, and to see how many miles she's run so far, head on over to OrdinaryHeroesPodcast.com. By the way, you can Google that if the spelling's a little crazy. Leave us a comment. Leave her a comment. Say hey, and sign up to get notified of new stories as we share them. And by the way, if you have your own ordinary hero you think I should talk to, you can find me at, at @DanWaldo on Twitter. Don't miss our next episode. We have something absolutely awesome ready to share with you. Until the next time, stay edgy, be awesome.